Hello, my friends. Welcome back. I hope everyone had a great holiday weekend this last weekend. Hopefully you were all safe and healthy. It's kind of crazy because I, I feel like COVID is kind of closing in. I have many friends now who are posting on Facebook or who I'm in contact directly with that have been getting it. And luckily, knock on wood, everyone is um, doing well and okay, but it's just been very interesting and at the same time concerning to hear everyone's stories. So I hope that everyone out there is being safe and taking care of yourselves. And my wish is that this ends soon, but I unfortunately don't think it will. I know I've talked about it on the show before around the opportunities that COVID has brought. I mean, there's so much going on in our society right now with COVID, with racial, social injustice. And again, I know I've mentioned it before, but this has really been a powerful pause for me to really slow down. I I realized how much I was on such a hamster wheel in my previous corporate life and running through airports and getting to appointments and living out of a suitcase and just running all the time and trying to take care of the kids and the family and getting dinner and laundry and just all the responsibilities. And (laughs) it was crazy. It was literally crazy. And I will tell you, part of what I love about being an entrepreneur is I have freedom over my time. And I absolutely love what I do, which also helps too. But I love that freedom. And what that freedom has offered me is the opportunity to go for walks in the afternoon. And what I'm noticing on these walks is I really need to connect with nature every day. And I feel so connected when, you know, I'm walking with my husband and my husband is very observant. I, I just love everything he notices. He notices a lot of things that I typically don't notice. And, you know, just the other day we were walking and he said, do you notice how soft the breeze is? And at first I was like, what? And he said, do you notice how soft the breeze is? I had never thought about the breeze in that context before. But what I love is I just notice that my senses are all very elevated, especially when I'm connecting. So, you know, I'm noticing flowers on the trees and how soft the breeze is. And we've been enjoying the sunset. And the other thing that I've been really enjoying is I have not done this since my kids were little, but um, my 17 year old and I are building a puzzle together. And it is by far the hardest puzzle I've ever done in my entire life. And I haven't done many puzzles, but I feel like I'm pretty good at them. And this puzzle is kicking our butt. So, but I love that we're just spending the time together and talking and working on this puzzle. And I love the connectedness. I'm all about connection. It's one of my core values, which is why I am so thrilled to bring the most special guest on today. Her name is Hermens Matsoza, and I sincerely can't wait to share Hermens with you because she really is a gift to all of us. So Hermens is a lover of humanity. She's a seeker of knowledge. She is a cross-cultural communicator. She's an adventurer. 
She's passionate and committed to motivating, empowering, and helping guide others to see the humanity within themselves. Hermens lives by a South African philosophy called Ubuntu. Now, if you're anything like me, I didn't know what Ubuntu was. Now, when I told my kids I was having Hermens on the show and that we were going to be speaking about Ubuntu, I asked them if they had ever heard about it, and they said they did. They were taught it in school, which made me so happy. So Hermens is here today to talk to us about this Ubuntu philosophy. She also shares a lot more with us. But really, the essence of this interview is about this Ubuntu philosophy. And you know what's interesting is I hadn't heard the word before. I didn't know what it was. But you know when you hear something and you know it's truth? That's exactly how I felt when Hermens started to speak about this philosophy of human interconnectedness. And what Hermens shares is the importance of seeing humanity in each other and how we can all adopt this philosophy and live it every day and how we're all just bound together and connected. And so I love what she shares in some of the stories and the philosophy as she talks more about it and she shares with you because she's a living, breathing example of literally fully embodying this philosophy She has not only lived it, she actually has a company named Ubuntu Speaks, where she is the founder and CEO of this global health and professional workforce development consulting firm named after this philosophy that she has grown up with. So without further ado, I share with you Hermens Matsota, and I really invite you to just listen with an open mind be open to learning something new. And also, I want you to know that, you know, we do talk about what has happened recently in our society around the racial and social injustice and how we can all help. And part of what Herman shares is that we all really need to understand history. And in the show notes, She has graciously provided some references for books if you're interested in digging in and learning more about how we can all be better allies, and that really starts with knowledge. So I give you the one and only Hermens Metzotza. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Hermens, I am so glad you're here with me and my audience today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm really, really excited to to be having this conversation with you. Absolutely. Well, I have to tell you, um, well, I'm going to share with the audience how I found you. I actually found you on a friend's podcast and um, on Hawthorne Union, a friend of mine, Diana Ideas and Jason 
And I was listening to the podcast and I was absolutely mesmerized because you talk about this concept of Ubuntu, which I had actually never heard of before. So I am not going to do it justice. So I would love for you to share um, this concept. And then I would also love for you to give my listeners a background on who you are and where you've come from. Okay. Well, first, you know, let me introduce your listeners to Ubuntu. So Mbutu is the South African philosophy of human interconnectedness. Now, mind you, it's a philosophy that most Africans live by in different parts of Africa, also, you know, in Asia. So a lot of what I call at times indigenous cultures understand and have lived by the philosophy of Mbutu, human interconnectedness. And the, the, the line, you know, what most people say is I am who I am because we all are. So it's it's this philosophy of connectivity, collectivity, and community. And for me, you know, the, this is a philosophy that I grew up with from, you know, as young as, well, I grew up with it. My mother's <laughs> African. Okay. And uh, she's from Gabon, Africa. And my father's American. So my father was a Peace Corps volunteer. So that's how they met. Ah. So, yes. So, you know, and for my mother, there's a lot of things she wanted when we, you know, living here in the United States, there's a lot of things she wanted us to keep. And one of those was this idea of community, this idea of being connected to other people. And so, Although she, you know, she had another name for it, but the thing with the the idea that you are never alone Hmm. and that, you know, if you are, if you are full and you don't make sure that someone else is full, then you are not living an Mbutu life. And so it's this idea that I can never be completely full if my neighbor is hungry. If my neighbor doesn't have what they need to be human and my neighbor doesn't have what they need to have to be able to prosper, to be able to grow, to be able to effectively connect with me, because in that connectivity, there's growth from all of us. And then we become better neighbors, better friends, better, you know, brothers and sisters and just a better community. And so for me, I took that philosophy that I grew up with and I have applied it to just about every sector of my life and every, you know, every experience. So it led me to, um, you know, moving to my junior year of college. I just got tired of being in the classroom, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. And I moved to, um, I spun the globe and my finger landed on Ecuador. And I said, I want to go to Ecuador. And people are like, you don't speak Spanish. I said, it's a language. You can learn that. <laughs> I mean, languages <laughs> can be learned. <laughs> and so I um, found a program that would take me to Ecuador. And, you know, I kind of fibbed on the application, said I was really good with plants, but really I'm not. And uh, so, you know, they accepted me and I got there and it was like two months of intensive, you know, language class. And then they sent me out to a small little island off the coast of Ecuador to plant trees. Oh, wow. <laughs> so while I was there, you know, I lived with this community that was so interconnected and trying to come together to solve some of their problems. And one of the key problems was the fact that re- uh, deforestation. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, having 
not being good at planting trees or anything like that. What I was good was at asking people to share their stories. Mm. And that's what I did while I was there. I would go with, uh, you know, a lot of them, uh, men, and we would go into the swamps. And during lunch, I would find out what their, what, what their lives were about. Like, who were they? Yeah. You know, and I quickly found out that a lot of them were doing this because they wanted to keep their land and their land was being taken away because they didn't have IDs and they didn't vote. And I was like, well, why aren't you voting? They were like, well, you have to know how to read. So I was like, you don't know how to read? They're like, no. I was like, well, my Spanish isn't so great, but I do know how to teach. Ah. And so I taught them how to write their names. Oh, wow. And started a small little literacy program. (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) Exactly. And so for me, it was like, so bringing that, that to me was in Butu. Yeah. That to me was in Butu. So, you know, that's a little, and then that led into joining Peace Corps, doing global health, HIV AIDS, and just on and on into where I am now within Butu Speaks. You know, this idea that we have to take care of each other. It's necessary. And then to think of what's happening in our times right now, what I really feel like is missing from this conversation is this idea that we're all interconnected. You know, this this air that we breathe, there's not selective air for each person. Right. <laughs> you know, right. It does the same thing. It goes, it goes into our lungs, it gets released. We're connected. And if we start to see the humanity in each other. I think so much like the world can shift. Like we will be able to see that sh- the, the world shift, that our environment and everything else will just have a dramatic shift. So, so yeah. <laughs> no, I, I completely love everything you're sharing. And, and I, I, again, I was mesmerized when I was listening to the podcast of Hawthorne Union because you talk about this concept and it just spoke truth to me. Like, I just, when you talked about this concept of us all being interconnected, I said, I really resonate with that. And I really wanted to learn more and I wanted my audience to learn more. And I'm so glad you're here today to to talk about it. And so yeah. talk to us a little bit more. I mean, obviously, you're living the Ubuntu life. Mm-hmm. You have a company named Ubuntu. <laughs> I mean, you embody Ubuntu, right? <laughs> but talk to, for, maybe for those people who this is their first exposure to it. What can it look like? What does it look like for us in our everyday lives? You know, can you give us some examples of how we can live into that philosophy? Yeah, definitely. You know, one, I have to say that there are a number of people who are actually already living this life are not using the term, the word Mbutu to describe what life that is, you know, that may, that has allowed me to be optimistic about the future. Because even during these trialing times, you see people who are genuinely living that life or showing others how it could be done, you know, and something, you know, like, for example, you giving me this platform to be able to voice and express my passion for Mbutu lets me know that that is a core value in you, even though you haven't put a name to it. And so really, you know, It's as simple as, you know, I always use the example that oftentimes we say hello to people and we keep walking. Like, it's almost like we're so used to just saying that word when you cross someone's path that we don't wait for the answer. Oh, wow. Okay. That's so, that's so powerful, right? Because 
Yeah. I mean, we don't wait for the answer. No. Or you say, how are you? And the person responds fine. And you don't, you don't ask them, well, what makes your life so great? <laughs> right. Know? So it's almost like, yeah, I kept using like this weird tradition that you just, you say, hello, how are you? Thank you. Fine. And that's it. But you don't even remember why you said hello to them, if you were genuinely interested in finding out who they are. But when you start living in a Bhutu lifestyle, you realize that when you ask someone how they are, that you genuinely want to know because who they are and how they are is going to impact your day. It's going to impact who you are. And then it also gives you the opportunity to be that neighbor, to be that friend to be that sister, because if they say, I'm doing really well today, then you know what? You're rejoicing with them. Yeah. You're happy for them. And if they say, actually, I need your help. Yeah. Then you have the opportunity to help a fellow brother or a fellow sister or whomever. Yeah. And so just that in itself is something simple as that is the start and for me, the beginning of living this Mbutu lifestyle, being genuinely concerned about the well-being of another person, regardless if you know them or a stranger. You know, and I always uh, growing up, uh, my friends, when I was in high school, they were like, why are you always talking to homeless people? <laughs> and, you know, and why are you always talking to strangers? Like they didn't ask you, you know, how are you doing? I was like, because a stranger is only a stranger until you've made them a friend, right. and, you know? And for me, it was because by me saying hello, I'm acknowledging you as a fellow human being. I, we may not have, you know, be from the same culture, the same race, the same ethnicity, same gender. But at the end of the day, we are human and we are part of this human experience. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? And by me acknowledging you, you to a certain extent acknowledge me. Mm. And that's when conversations can happen. That's when solutions can happen. That's when, you know, conflict that exists can be minimized when you recognize someone as being your equal because they are simply human too. Yeah. You know, and so I ask people, I say, you know, people who are like, well, you know, I want, I want this Mbutu lifestyle. I was like, first, have it with yourself. So how do you treat yourself as an individual? You know, are you valuing who you are? You know, are you respecting your being? Yeah. And that and that's that's where people need to start going inward. And for me it's I feel like what we're going through right now with COVID-19 with um with the the protests and the rising and uh justice, you know, and police brutality, everything that's happening right now in our life. I feel like this is the universe and God's way of saying stop. Let's all look in so we can better look out. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I do as, as much as obviously there's so much um, strife and negativity and yeah. everything else that's happening. And pain. 
and pain and yeah. hurt and unemployment and everything else that's going on right now. And I really recognize that. And I honor that. I think there is something percolating under the surface that has been, this has been a powerful pause, as I say, right. for, for so yeah. many people to really reflect, do that inner work yeah. of what is important to me, what's important to my family, what's important to my community, what's important to the human race. Exactly. And yeah. it becomes, it. I, I really do feel that there is this amazing change happening. So yeah. talk about how you know, you you live this Ubuntu lifestyle. Talk about, you know, maybe going back a little bit, your your background. And I know you were in the Peace Corps. I know that right. you were also uh, part of the CDC. Yeah. I mean, when I look at your website and I, I look at your history, I'm like, holy smokes, you have done so much. And I would yeah. love to hear more about that. And I would also like to hear how your experiences, because I know you've done a lot of overseas experiences, right. how those experiences have shaped you and the lessons that you bring back to this country. Okay. So, you know, for me, I think it's very, it's very important for people in order to understand who I am and how those experiences shape me is to understand my source. And for me, that is my mother, you know, my father too, but my mother was and continues to be someone who is strong in the sense that she, she knows her value and she learned early that her voice had power. Mm. But, that, but a powerful voice doesn't always mean that it's a voice for good. And so she taught me that at an early age, that kindness a voice that promotes kindness will always get you further with people. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. And yeah. And, and projecting respect will get you into a home and into a person's life. And so for me, you know, growing up, seeing that, seeing my mother do that, she was, you know, strong. And, but when she, started a conversation with someone, I would see her, her strength kind of like melt, but in a way that just automatically made someone feel comfortable. Mm. And, and I observed that on many occasions. And when she needed to stand up for her own rights, she did it, but she did it with such dignity that it didn't, dehumanize the person she was speaking with if that makes any sense yeah and so for me taking that and growing up and seeing that in my mother and learning from it I realized that I wanted to embody that and I and I thought it would be so great if everybody embodied that yeah and so that meant seeing the world because another part of it is you know my mother left you know, she trusted an American <laughs> from far away to take her from her home in Gabon, Africa, and come here to the United States, a place she'd never been. So because she had not only that sense of, you know, it's going to be okay, 
and that I will be taken care of by God in the universe, but also this, her adventure, sense of adventure. Yeah. So in my family, it, travel was, that's all we did. You know, we had to travel. If it meant just getting in the car and going to the next state, you know, that's what we did. And it wasn't because we just want to be able to say we've been to all 50 states or that we've been to all these different countries because we rarely went just to have a vacation. Because I used to be like, Mom, we came here to work. She was like, yeah, you're volunteering. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that's what we did. And so for me, like, it was so natural to help someone else. You see someone in need and you just help them. (laughs) It's like, you don't even think twice about it. Right. Because in helping someone else, the universe is going to make sure that you're helped when your time comes around. Yeah. And so for me, that led me to all this travel and just, like I said, spinning the globe and ending up in Ecuador at the age of 19 and not knowing a soul, not speaking the language. And for my parents to be like, okay, <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> exactly. And then being there for a year and, and making friends out of strangers. And then after that, going to, um, to Togo, West Africa. And I already spoke French, so that helped a lot. And once again, being alone at the age of 21. And so for me, it's, it was always, I, I go somewhere with the intention of being able to connect. Yeah. And that's, it's so beautiful. And I love what you're sharing. We travel the same way, very similarly, is, you know, I don't want the big fancy hotel. I don't want any of that. I want like a small little apartment in the middle of the city so we can like get to know the local restaurant owner and we can really immerse ourselves in the culture because I love that connectedness as well. And and I think that's why it resonated so much for me when when I was listening to your podcast about Ubuntu. And I think that's why I heard that truth in it is because I do feel like I live that. And I love what you shared. You, you said, you know, I think people are living this lifestyle, not realizing it. Right. And I realized, I, I think that's me. You know, yeah. I, I, I do feel connected. And we do. My husband and I walk on the beach a lot in Venice or and, um, you know, we we give food and we'll bring extra clothes in the trunk for the homeless and we'll leave shoes and sweatshirts out. And, you know, it's just part of who we are and what we do. And, you know, I know a lot of people won't even acknowledge the homeless people. Like I always say hello. I always. Yeah. 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 Now I'm definitely, you know, it's it's because I th- the thing is. Honestly, you just feel better afterwards. Like you, you do. Like, and w- when you have found your true core, and and that fire inside of you that that, and you realize that who you are is literally because of everyone else mm-hmm. being, and it can shift one way or another. Yes, you have to be strong in your core, but are we? I always say like, you know, one of the lessons, the key lessons I learned uh, when I was in Peace Corps specifically with the, was this idea of community only being as strong as the, the newest child born in that community. Oh, wow. And so it's this idea that even the tiniest soul needs to be embraced and nurtured 
And if they are hungry, not nurtured effectively, it will, it will break up the whole, yeah. you know, and the community in itself. And so when I arrived uh, to, uh, um, when I was in Togo as a Peace Corps volunteer, I was placed in a, a village as I would be the only, the only female teacher, <laughs> right? And I had to teach a class of like a hundred and something kids. You know, I remember my first day was like, oh my goodness. And mind you, I was 21 years old. Right. And I was coming in as the American who supposedly knew everything, who was going to like save people's lives, you know? And I'll never forget um, when I got there the next day, uh, the chief asked to come, you know, for me to come see him. And so being, you know, I came and I, I made sure to look to see what everybody else was doing and how they were greeting the chief. But uh, he said, he had, the first question he asked me is, who are you? And I was like, oh, my name is Hermans. I'm, you know, an American. That He was like, no, 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 no. Who are you? Mm. And what are you here for? And so, of course, I said, no, I'm here to teach. No, 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 no. Who are you? He was like, you don't know who you are yet. Wow. He said, go home, figure out who you are, and then I'm also going to give you a name. I was like, a name? I said, I already have a name. My mom named me. He was like, no, 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 no. You're going to get a name. And so, like, a, a week goes by. And people are just watching me. Like, no one's really talking to me. They're just watching me. And I'm like, what's going on? Maybe they don't want me here. And then I get a message to come see the chief. So he, he comes to, so he says, so who are you again? And I said, I'm a member of this community. Hmm. He was like, oh, you are. And he was like, and what do you believe in? Because it was a Muslim community. And I thought about it and I said, I believe in you. And he said, your name is Imanatu. And Imanatu means the one who believes in the people. Oh, Hermans, that's so beautiful. And, and I tell you, and that has been who I am because literally that whole time I was like, no, but, you know, I felt it was one of those times where I felt alone and I wanted to be part of the whole. I wanted to be part of a community. And I realized that it was really important for me to be part of that community. And so Imanatu was my name, the one who believes in the people. And so that in Mbutu, you know, I came back after spending three years there and realized that who I was, was being by that HIV positive person and helping them get their meds when they couldn't mm -hmm. be that advocate for that teenage uh, pregnant uh, girl who just wanted, you know, someone to teach her how to better take care of this child that she's about to have. Yeah. You know, be like, like I said, the homeless or that substance abuse, you, you know, user who really, really wanted to stop using, but didn't know how, you know? So like I was, for me, connecting, I came home realizing that I had to connect with everyone else for me 
to be who I was. Oh my gosh. Okay. That is just so (laughs) powerful. That is so powerful because you talk about something so important. I run a women's group, a a 12-week group coaching program. And the coach that I run it with, Lori Tab and I, we purposely asked the women in the beginning of the group to introduce themselves without titles, without job descriptions, without any of the things that we talk, how we usually talk about, oh, I work for, you know, I'm the co-founder of this, I'm the president of this, I'm the VP, I'm, you know, I'm a mom, I'm this. It's like, who are you without, who are you? Like, we really want to get to know you. And I love that you had that experience. And I really want my listeners to think about who they are without any title, without their money in the bank, without all of these extraneous things, these external things, like who are you as a person? And it's important because when it's just you looking in the mirror, you have to be able to answer that question. Yeah. Because all of those titles can be stripped. Exactly. Someone could be a mother today and unfortunately not be a mother tomorrow right? because of circumstances or be a wife and something not happen, you know, something happened and then they don't. So those titles could easily be stripped away. Yeah. And sadly to say it happens a lot. So then when someone lives their life saying my life is I'm a mother, I'm a wife and I am, uh, you know, whatever profession they are. If those right. are their three titles and any of those fall off, then their lives are rocked. Yeah. When you think of all the people who've lost their jobs right now because of COVID-19. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard of suicides happening. I've heard of, you know, just even yesterday on Facebook around 11 o'clock at night, I put, you know, suicide prevention hotline number as one of my posts just so that everybody knows that, you know, there's someone you can call. And the, people's lives become rocked when those titles are stripped away because then they no longer know who they are. And knowing who you are is knowing the essence, that flame, like who the universe and, and whoever you believe in for me is God, whoever the universe and God have conspired for you to be. Yeah. It's, it, it's that, that thing that tickles your heart <laughs> when you, you see something and just you're filled with joy. Yeah. What, what brings you joy? That's who you are. That's, you know, so if you seeing someone else smile brings you joy then you need to find ways to make more people smile. I I completely agree. And I (laughs) wish literally, I wish I could transport everyone listening to this episode here with me right now to see you. Because literally (laughs) before you mentioned that, I was like, as you were talking about it, you are so joyful and you have the biggest smile on your face and you're so beautiful sharing what you're sharing. And I wish everyone could see you because you light up when you talk about it. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yes, you really do. So I want to, I want to, I think this part of the conversation is important, what you shared around being alone, you know, in that tribe and wanting, but wanting to be part of the whole. Right. I would imagine, 
And I don't know because I don't walk in your footsteps and I don't walk in people's footsteps of people of color. But I would imagine that that's what has been happening for such a long time in communities of color. And so I would like you to maybe share, you know, what you've been going through, what your family's been going through, what your community has been going through um, since George Floyd's death. And I, I, I just you know, would love to hear your perspective on that. You know, it, it's one of those, I feel like our my community as an African-American who's who proudly considers themselves a member of, uh, you know, there are various different communities that I belong to, but my, my essence and who I am as a person in the United States identifies African-American. Mm-hmm. So within that community, you know, the pain has been there for a long, long time. Yeah. The sense of not being human enough to be able to do A, B, C, or D has been there for a long time. The idea that we are stuck in a system that is not going to allow us to grow and be our full selves has been there for a long time. You know, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of times we talk about the glass ceiling when it comes to gender, you know, and that, you know, women have a hard time breaking that glass ceiling. Right. Which is true. But now in my community, it's beyond just being a woman, but it's being an African-American woman and then being seen as just a black woman. So that that ceiling is so much lower. Yeah. And yes, there are a few people. And there are more than a few, but there are individuals who have broken, you know, that a certain a glass ceiling. But it feels like the more you break, the more and more you have to keep going yeah. because there's always another one. Yeah. And so for me, the pain has always been there. And how I have been able to deal with the pain is knowing that there's a purpose and that purpose is to create the change that I want to see. And, and I'm big on being able to do my part. I can't control what others are doing, but if I do with living this Mbutu lifestyle, if I do my part, then maybe it will inspire others to do theirs. And then that ripple effect will happen Mm -hmm. beyond just my community. Sure. Because the thing is, it's all about Yes, we all have all these different silos and different communities. But at the end of the day, remember I said that air that we breathe? Yep. It collects, it, it's, it's us as a whole. It's all us as humanity. You know, for me, I had seen several, I've, you know, I, I've seen several, you know, George Floyd's death was not the first death that I had witnessed, that I had seen. Right. But what made this so poignant in this time was the fact that it had been captured on video yeah and that everybody was at home mm-hmm. for the most part mm-hmm. and the only way that they could acquire information was through social media yeah and so it's almost like you went to a movie theater you didn't know what movie was going to be showing and everybody was sitting there and the movie they showed was uh, George Floyd being killed. 
yeah. in the hands of people who are supposed to protect. Yeah. That's what it was. And then everybody in that movie theater turned around to look at guards or whoever around. Like the, and so everybody was exposed to something that the black community has been exposed to consistently for years, for years. And it got to the point, I think this is because, you know, you like to say enough is enough, but really the, the honest question is when is enough going to be enough? How many more people, how many will have to endure this dehumanization in the hands of people who are supposed to protect us? When is that, like, when, it, when are we collectively, regardless of race, but as Americans, as people, as a whole, as a community, going to say, we don't want this happening next year. Yeah. And, and for me, you know, so that was, that's how I took that. So it, it was, it hurt me. But you know something that just Elijah McClain, his death, and I don't know if it's because he's a young man. I don't know if it's because I'm, he looks and spoke like many of the young men I have worked with. Mm. I don't know if it's because based on the information that I've been able to gather and just his powerful words that I could tell that he was probably on the spectrum. Mm. And to me, you don't hurt the most vulnerable. Right. I mean, that's just, remember when I said that a community is only as strong as its youngest. Right. That's how I felt. So for me, hearing, seeing the video and hearing his own words, him apologizing for his humanity, that hit me hard. That really just, and I have a daughter who is just in love with life. And she's four years old and she's an astronaut. You know, she says it science, you know, she talks about, she wakes up in the morning and says she had a dream and she went to the moon and she's very like in tuned with the environment, everything. And oftentimes she says things that like baffle people. Like how could she know this at four? Right. And, and to me, I think like those are the individuals in life who will teach us who we truly need to be. And I felt like Elijah in his last words he was teaching us who he who we need to be so that hurt me that that really you know that just that's what it did to me and for me it's like how do I take his words and who he was and and his and bring back the humanity in him you know help bring that back and let people know that if Elijah if George Floyd and so many countless other women too are hurt, we will never heal. Yeah. If I'm hungry, if my, if I'm, if I think I'm full, <laughs> if my brother and sister and neighbor is hungry in pain, hurting, then I will never be truly happy. I yeah. will never be truly healed. Yeah. You know, and so it's been tough. It really has been tough. But at the same time, to see the the shift in mindset, to see 
young, uh, predominantly young white Americans saying, I don't want to, I want to be an, and I want to be an ally. Yeah. Anti-racism. I want to learn more about that. What does it take for me to not be racist? What does it take for me to, to denounce the teachings, subconscious, unconscious teachings of my fam- my parents? Because for me, the truth is, it's not like people wake up and say, I'm going to be racist. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't believe. Some maybe, you know, some, but genuinely people don't wake up and say, I'm going to hurt someone today. I completely agree. It's taught. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, and we all we all saw the video of the cute little white little boy <laughs> running towards the black little boy, right? And it's yes. like, that's love. That's love. That is love. It's just love in the yeah. purest form. Kids have in it with purest, each other. They come with it. Right. They come with it. And then we teach them differently. We teach them, you know, I have earliest memories of my best friend who we, we did soccer together. I mean, we were like, Mary Beth and I were like this. <laughs> and then junior high came and she was like, I have, you know, I don't know. We can't have lunch together anymore. Mm. And I was just like, why not? We've been having lunch together for five years now. Right. But it was because she wanted to find her community. And her community meant people who looked like her. Yeah. And then I had to find mine. Yeah. But the thing is, and that's what happened. So, and then afterwards, we're told that we have to all be together. you know, and work together and do things together. Right. But it doesn't feel right after that. It doesn't feel right after that. Exactly. Exactly. So we need to go back to learning from the kids. I agree. And watch them and then realize that it's never too late to be a better person. Yeah. It's never too late. You can't, you can do the soul searching within yourself and realize that your actions, your words and deeds hurt others. And the last thing you want to do is hurt people. I agree. So I so I asked this question and, and it's interesting because I brought this up on my podcast, episode 17. If anyone hasn't listened to it, there you know, it's an episode about racism. It's an episode about what has happened in our communities. And there's also a book offer where you can learn more about how to be an anti-racist and how it really starts with each one of us individually. And in that episode, one of the things I learned and I have learned through, I I have made it a a commitment to myself and to my other brothers and sisters in this world um, to become a better ally. And I didn't really know where to start. And one of the things I've read is, you know, please do not put that burden on people of color. Like, don't ask them, right? And so it is our responsibility to take that learning and to take initiative and that proactive approach to our own learning. We need to be reading. We need to be learning. So I won't necessarily ask you what I should do to be a better ally, but how can I learn? Where can I learn? And, And what advice would you give to someone who does want to be a better ally? Uh, you know, when people, when I've been asked this question before, I usually flip and say, well, what does allyship look like in your community? Hmm. What does allyship look like 
among people of the same race, among white Americans? Like, what does it look like? Is it that, you know, when you see, let's say it's in the workplace, when you see an opportunity arise, you know, and you know that your colleague could do a great job at it, do you speak for them in the boardroom? Do you run to their help, you know, when they need some? Like, what does allyship do you, when, you know, they're being degraded for whatever reason, do you, do you speak up for them? Do you help them get through something? What does allyship look like in your community? Because nine times out of 10, if you know what it looks like, then that's all we're asking for. Yeah. Yeah. And if allyship is built on the foundation of value, respect, and dignity, and giving voice to, and embracing the image of who people are, then that's what we want too. Yeah. And, and that can stretch across. So don't let it be limited to your community, your race. Practice that across. Yeah, no, it's, it's perfect. And you know, it's interesting is, you know, in the media, and I don't, I don't want to get into politics, but you know, just in the last couple, couple days, you know, it's been Black Lives Matter is a symbol of hate. And it's just so appalling to me. Because exactly what you're saying is you're not asking for anything out of the ordinary. You're not asking for anything that I wouldn't give anyone else in my own community. Right. You're asking just to be, you're asking to just have the same opportunities. Right. You know, when I think of education, you know, in a lot of um, African-American communities. And there's been enough research to show that when, you know, and I'm an example, you know, when African-Americans, young African-Americans are given, are taught how to hope and be optimistic about the future and are supported with resources that help with their education, they rise. Mm -hmm. They rise and they break those ceilings. So, but one thing I do know also is, you know, from my friends and colleague who are white Americans, who are Mexican American, like other, is that we all want the best for our children. We will do just about anything to make sure our children have the best education, right? We will, you know, if we got to go talk to the teachers, we, we, we will find ways to ensure that our child for the most part, it has the best education, right? Absolutely. And that means voting. You know, we vote for people who think we're Well, here's the thing. And we find the financial resources, right? Yeah. I believe in the white community, you find the financial resources to do that, right? Well, here's the thing. You know where to go to find those resources. And when you go and ask for it, you the likelihood that you will be given the resources to ensure that your child grows to be a healthy human being and breaks those glass ceilings and be the person that they want to be is more likely than people who look like me. Yeah. It's not that we don't want the same thing. Right. It's just that when we ask for it, our answers are different. Yeah. When we fight for it, we're told, that we shouldn't be fighting for it, that we should just be happy with what we have. Right. And that's painful. Absolutely. You know that you're supposed to have more. Uh, Absolutely. 
Yeah, you're paying the taxes. So, it, so you know, being an ally first means recognizing that those systems exist. Mm-hmm. And two, finding out why. I'm big when it comes to history. I really, really am. Like I, geography and history were my favorite subjects in school. Because of course, geography allowed me to dream and travel, you know, right. before I even got on the plane. And history allowed me to, to figure out how people are who they are. You see what I'm saying? At that moment. Sure. And the impact of that. And so, you know, our schools don't really tell us the history that we need. And, you know, if I was talking to a friend of mine who was very, very, um, angry, you know, about uh, what has been happening and, uh, you know, white people just don't understand. And I said, you know, what it is, is we can't forget that they're not getting the history lesson either. Yeah. Right. Many, yeah, (laughs) many young white people or just people in general, not even, I, I won't even put an age to it. Don't know about the Willie Lynch book or letter. They don't know about the realities of slavery. Mm-hmm. They may be benefiting from it through generational wealth that has been passed down yep. or identity that has been passed down. But that doesn't mean that they know the history. Mm-hmm. And so one, we can't rely on the schools providing us that history, but you have to want to know, and then you will seek and find out. So if someone comes to me and says, I want to learn how to be an ally, I want to learn to be anti-racist. I'm like, but for how long? Wow. But if you come to me and say, I want to learn to live an Ubuntu lifestyle that will allow me to connect with others in a beautiful, prosperous and growth kind of way, like that mindset, then I will tell you, here is a list of books. And it's not just going to be books about race and diversity, but it's going to be race. It's going to be a book about joy, you know, by uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu that speaks about what joy is. It's going to be, uh, you know, a book about, there's a book about Mbutu, like how to live that Mbutu lifestyle with your colleagues at work. So it's going to be a variety of that. You know, it's going to be a book about Buddhism, you know, like just various different things, because my goal is not for you. Well, for me, I don't want you to just be anti-racist because that can, you know, that's going to last for so long. I feel because eventually you're still going to be around the same people who who believe in that. I want you to believe in my humanity. Yeah. And that goes back to your Ubuntu lifestyle, right? That's really people embracing that we are all connected. We are all brothers and sisters. We're all in this together. And it's okay. And and I'm Black. Yes. You're white. Yes. And look how gorgeous we look. (laughs) You know, how gorgeous we are. And then embrace the diversity, you know, just like, just, and I always say, it's not, we say differences, but embrace the uniqueness that exists within us, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, yeah, that, that's the, the best thing I would tell someone, you know? 
Hermens, I would love it if you would give some of your book recommendations and we can put those in the show notes. Oh, you know what? I will. That, I that, will. Okay, that would be that would be great. So kind of one last question as we kind of wrap up. And thank you for sharing all of this with my audience and with me. It's so powerful. You know, being someone who's empathic and connected and giving and teaching, what do you do to take care of yourself? Because I know sometimes, you know, it can be a lot, you know, it can fill us up, right? Right. But what do you do for self-care for yourself? I, you know, I love to read. So I'm definitely, you know, uh, reading, reading books that take me to a different place, per se, that allows me to grow and um, that allows me to travel beyond where I'm at, put it that way. Sure. Uh, so th- that's definitely one of the things I love. Uh, like I said earlier, my daughter loves nature. And so last weekend we went to the river and uh, we were the only ones there when we first got there and we got, you know, knee deep into the, this little river here. And we played some uh, reggae music, some soca music. From <laughs> and then we just started splashing water, just splat, you know, just, and just, we had an awesome time. I love that. And so having a young daughter, yes, I don't always find time to self-care per se, but for me, I get healing from having those kind of moments with my child or with my husband. And then there are times where I do step away where it just means me sitting on my porch, waking up early, early in the crack of dawn and sitting on my porch and really seeing the changes of the light from darkness into light, that sunrise and just being able to meditate and focus on that transition. And I'm a strong believer that the universe can teach you so much. The environment could teach you so much. To be able to watch a plant heal itself mm. is amazing. Yeah. And to grow and and to just hear the birds have their conversations early in the morning. It's so to me that's how I my self-care. Because before I used to love massages like a lot of people, <laughs> but you know, I'm not gonna take that risk. <laughs> Right. 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 But yeah. And so for me, healing a lot of times is um, recentering myself and coming back to this idea that I am part of a whole and that I am a speckle, uh, you know, grain in the sand. And uh, yeah, that's that's really how I do it. Yeah. It's so beautiful that I love that you talk about that because I've always loved nature. um, and, And I think I've explored you know, nature, I like going on vacation, you know, whether it be once a year or twice a year, wherever we go. And I would really just be in nature, right? I would be present. Yosemite is one of my favorite places on earth. And it's just so interesting because we kind of going back into the beginning of our conversation about COVID being a powerful pause. I remember we were maybe day three into COVID and, you know, nothing was going on. My daughter was home from school and I opened the back door and I heard the birds chirping. And my daughter said, wow, do you hear all, the, all those birds? And I said, yeah. And I don't know if they've always been there <laughs> yeah, or, or if I'm just it. noticing them. Exactly. They've always been there. They've always <laughs> been there. 
always been there. But now we have, we have to stop. And now we're realizing that, oh my gosh, so much happens outside of who we are. <laughs> exactly. It was it, it, exactly. And I remember, just remember having this aha moment. And, you know, since then I've been, we have owls in our neighborhood and I've been listening okay. to the owls at night and yeah. I've been watching my flowers grow and just taking that time to really just yeah. notice and be present yeah. in nature has been so grounding. It, it really has. And, and for me, um, Daredevil's not the word. I, I'm a, I love to challenge myself. And so I, I'm a skydiver. And so for me, for every birthday, I would go skydiving. That was my way of releasing. For me, a new year is my birthday year. Okay. And I so- love that you're a fellow skydiver. Okay. I've only, yes. been, I've only been once, but I have okay. to tell you, it was such an amazing experience. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yes. But, you know, you spoke about you know, the owls in your community. For me, the first time I went skydiving was probably the most amazing and, oh my goodness, feeling. I, when I jumped out, <laughs> I was just, I, I mean, I was like, this is what I'm meant to do in life, right? So <laughs> just jump out of planes, right? And then, ironically, there was an eagle that got really close and then it just stood there. Oh, wow. And being the person I am was just, an eagle's looking at me. Wow. And I, and I reached. And, and I was doing a tandem jump. So he was like, no, don't reach. Don't fall. And then, of course, we, you know, we kind of dove a little bit. But for me, it was just like, and this eagle, it just did this came, looked straight at me like, what are you doing, basically? <laughs> and then it, it turned around and flew off. And for me, it was just like, this bird was like, oh, you want, I, you want to be, you want to know what this is, like what this feeling is. And as you know, when you did it, you, when the cord pulled up, right? Yep. And then you were able to glide. Didn't it feel like things were just falling off of you? Oh, it's just silence. Like the <laughs> silence and the peace of that. It's like you have the, it's, it's these two different experiences. You have the exactly. adrenaline of the first half of it. And then you're literally floating. 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 In complete and silence. I was like, this is what birds feel like. <laughs> I, just like I know. But for me, I felt connected to the wind. I felt connected to, you know, that bird, you know, it hasn't happened since then, but I felt, I felt, and then I could see down and to see like the landscape. And I was just like, this is the best stress reliever in the world. So I'm going to have to do this. I agree. You know, and so it's just like that. And so I love to scuba dive. Me and too. I like to cliff dive, yeah. I haven't done and cliff diving. That's crazy, but uh, <laughs> but I've done I've done yeah. skydiving, um, and I'm a scuba diver as well. And yeah. again, that's a whole other sensation which I wasn't expecting, just to be floating, yeah, and and being with nature and the fish and right. just uh, it's so amazing. Yeah, definitely. So it's um, yeah. It, 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 it once again when we do things like that you realize that um, you're connected. Yeah. 
it's that connectivity, not just to fellow human beings, but to to what God and the universe has created. The, it's it's it can be very powerful if you take that in. You know, you're just you're as precious as the flower that just bloomed. <laughs> mm. Okay, that is a great place to end. Hermens, I am so grateful that we connected and I'm so grateful that you're here connecting with my audience. And thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for introducing so many of us to the Ubuntu lifestyle and the life and the philosophy of Ubuntu. I just really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And remember, I am who I am because we all are. We chanted that a couple of times. Trust me, it'll seep in because we are all one. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Hermans. <laughs> all right. Take all care. Right, bye-bye. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now. Thank you.